0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Well, our foundational scripture, we are still going to, let's run to that right quick because we're going to make a turn again, but we're still coming out of Philippians 2 chapter 12 I mean chapter 2 verse 12 and God is speaking to your heart get your attentive ears on get yourself settled in stop moving around stop running here and there and you, you know what? I'll tell you just like I tell if you were sitting in the congregation. If you have to go to the restroom, you should have already gone. But go now and come and sit and hear. Take the word of God seriously that I don't want to miss anything because God is speaking to me. And as soon as you get up and walk off or be distracted or start talking or moving around, God is going to be speaking to you and you're going to miss what he says. So get yourself settled And get yourself prepared to hear from the very throne of God. Amen? In Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12, it reads, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. The very, the very, I mean, this part is the main part of this whole scripture. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God has just given you a responsibility. God has just given you not a suggestion, but a commandment. You work out your own salvation. Now, if you will, run over to John chapter 17. And here we have, we've been looking at for the uh, last couple of weeks. I was out a week, but... The last couple, of, uh, the last few weeks, Jesus has set the example for us to finish and to end things and to get to the, to the end of what He's calling us to do. Get, getting to the end of your assignment, basically. And so He has given us the responsibility to work out our own salvation. We see Jesus as a child. The Bible tells us that he increased in wisdom and stature and with God and with man. Ask yourself, do you increase in wisdom and stature with God and man? See, Jesus is our example. We need to follow that example with God and man. When Jesus was on the cross dying for your sins and my sins, he stayed there until he said, it is finished. It is finished. Then he went into the lower parts of the earth and he battled it out and he took the keys of our defeat and gave us victory. And we need to be grateful for that. God, Jesus took care of it When it says that he was in the grave Three days and three days What do you think he was doing He was making sure he was um, He made a show of them openly The Bible says He went down there and loosed the chains Took the keys of death, hell and the grave And now we have the victory And led them out Let all of those from the Old Testament That believe on great Jehovah Halloween And they were there waiting And we, can you imagine walked into hell. He came walking. Oh, somebody say, yeah, Jesus went. No, I didn't say he went to hell. He walked down there. He had to go unless you would have to go. He had to go and defeat the enemy. And he he went in and he, can you imagine what happened in that dark place when light started walking down the tunnels of all that darkness and all of that, all of the screaming and the hollering and all the foolishness that was going on down there? Can you imagine what it was like when light started going from each corridor to each corridor as he walked through hell and took and defeated the enemy and gave us victory? Came out, gave us victory. Amen. I I like, and I like the fact that they were keys. Mm, We got keys to our victory. And you you know, and the people understood that, that, that went and rolled the stone away and saw that he wasn't there. Victory was being made. And even now, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, forever making intercessions for us. You know, when I believe in my heart that when he said it was finished, he meant only on earth, cuz he had another assignment and he's on that assignment now, but he finished his work here. It's amazing. That encourages me about our founding pastor I always tell myself, he's on his other assignment. He finished here. The foundation is laid. That was it. that was it. If that's finished, but he's on another assignment. So Jesus On another, But remember, he told the disciples to go. And he said, now you all wait. I have to finish this thing. I'm going to have to send you another comforter. The Holy Spirit. Oh, it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in John 17 and 4, church, we must, we must work out our salvation. You know, I love that Jesus knew what he had to do before he came. You need to know what you need to do. Amen. In John seventeen and four it says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Jesus, all oh, he knew what he had to do. What you told me to do, I finished the work. So we must be established. And when I say established, I mean what God desires for his purpose. I'm established in that. What God desires. My desires is nothing. My desire is God's desire. It's whatever he desires, his purpose. There's something in every dispensation in your life, in my life, that God desires to accomplish for his purpose. And in every period of our lives, or times in our lives, we need to be established. And we need to be established by asking God this question. What are you trying, God, to establish and accomplish in me and through me right now? That's a good question that you need to personally ask God. God, what are you trying to establish and accomplish in me and through me right now? You, you, right now. And listen, listen to this. God doesn't do anything. I said He doesn't do anything unless he wants to do something through us and to us. And more importantly, the question should be, God, what are you doing in my life? at this time to benefit others that's a good question see because he's not only working in you but he's working through you so God if you're working through me then it's for someone else so God what, is the, what, what, what are you doing in me so that I can benefit others so that leaves us the responsibility to understand and to obey what is required to work out our own salvation that, that's for us we need to bring things in our lives, all the things that's going on in our lives. We need to bring it to a place of maturity. We need to make sure that it's excellence in our lives. Bring it to a place of, of maturity and excellence. So that means that God wants me to, to finish my marriage. He said, "Get to it. Bring your marriage into maturity. Bring your relationship with me into maturity. And may and let it continue until it's excellent. That means it takes work. It takes work in ministry. It takes work in your natural life. God said to bring it with excellence. You know, sometimes we're so nonchalant. We're just satisfied the way it is. But God said, no, I want excellence. I want excellence. So and it's our responsibility to get it there as we obey his word. It might be finishing your education. It might be raising your children. But God wanted us to get to it. It could be in a lot of different areas where God said, I want you to mature in those things and bring it to excellence. Amen. See, see, a lot of times as parents, we think excellence is that I'll make sure that they clean. I'll make sure they have food. I'll make sure they have a place to lay their head. But you know what? If you're not giving your children Christ, If you're not giving them God, you're not bringing them to a place of excellence. You're showing them how to just accommodate the world. I'm like, you got to give them more than just a roof over their head. More than just food in their mouth. More than just clothes on their back. You need to give them the living God. Because guess what? All the other things that you're giving them, they're soon to pass away. The eternity is on the other side. That's where I want to get them to be. Amen? So the last time I was here, we established that we need to redeem the time. Because what? Time is valuable. Everybody say time is valuable. It's very valuable. You can't get time back. We need to value time. It's so important. We need to value time. And it's the time that God has given us. You don't have no time on your own. God is the one that gives you the time. Value it. Value it. We need to make time good. You know, you can spend time, but you can also make time good. It's your time to make time good. Then we dealt with the fact that only we only have a span of time, a dispensation. A dispensation is simply a span of time that God gives us for His purpose. So we only have a span of time. We need to work out everything within that time frame. Everything within that time frame. Listen, if you're hearing me this morning, if you're hearing me under uh, the sound of my voice, and you know that God has placed something in your heart to do, raise your heart right where you are or raise your hand right where you are. Because God is saying, you, do you know I have a plan for your life? If you don't, then you need to recognize God has a plan. You say, I know God has something that he's placed in my heart. And I believe in my heart, as far as Church of Living Water is concerned, that's nearly everyone should be raising their hearts or their hands right where they are, because God has placed it in it. Now, whether you've listened to it or not is different, but He has placed something in your heart. Amen. Now think on this, everyone. Listen. Every one of us has if you lived long enough, have lived through a time. Where we now realize the window to do something that he's told us to do, listen, has closed. It's reality. We're talking about reality. Every, if you live long enough, every one of us have lived to a point where God has told me to do that and that window is closed. And when I say that, I mean you had a window of opportunity to get something done. Now the window of that time is closed. And you know what? You might even have a heart to do it, but you just don't have an opportunity to do it any longer. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Because see, people are think you're trying to do this to them and that, go, but no, the that window's closed. The opportunity when you had, I, I could remember, uh, quite a while ago, maybe some years ago, God said it. God said, no, this is the time that I want you. He said, you're gonna come back to me and then you're gonna wanna do it on your time. But the opportunity is not there. That window's closed. Now whether it open again, that's between you and God. Sometimes it will be, sometimes it won't. You gotta be okay with that. You blew the opportunity. God always has one open, you blew the opportunity to get something done now that the window is closed, you again you be okay with that. Listen, we must finish the work of this ministry. We have to that 's why we can 't pause for you to try to get on board because we cannot pause we got to do the work and finish the ministry but for, for this dispensation. And the work of the ministry. And God has already told us, what is the work of this ministry in this dispensation. It's restoration. God has given us an assignment to restore this generation, to heal, to repair, to rebuild, to strengthen, to order, to prepare this generation of young people. Why? Because God said there's a next move coming and they need to be positioned. And if you are a young adult, and I'm telling you, when I call the younger dubs, I'm calling from 45 on down. I'm like, You're young. really, for me, 50 on down. You're young. You're young still. And God said, look, it's a next move. God already warned us three weeks ago. He said something else is coming. But his next move is also coming. And we only have a, we only have a dispensation of time to do his work. Some of you are restless. And the reason why you are restless is because you have not worked out anything and you have not brought anything into maturity or in excellence, into a state of excellence. You have not done that. And when you don't do that, there's no rest. That's why you like that. There is no rest. And then as soon as there's no rest, then comes what? The painful adjustment. Oh, we gotta do this to do that right. Well, you you have to make painful adjustments when you don't do what you're supposed to do. And because and then you can't you wonder why you can't rest. Amen. Listen, when you obey God, you glorify God. You glorify God. When we work out what God is working in us, God can be glorified and we can move to the next level. See, everybody want to move to the next level without glorifying God, but that's not going to happen. You want to move to the next level, you must glorify God and be a blessing in the lives of others. See, you don't, see, don't think you glorify God because you sing in the choir. Or that you teach in the children's ministry. You glorify God by obeying the assignment that He gives you. Then and only then can you glorify God. Listen, you will never work out what God is working in you if you allow other people to distract you. Others, I'm just going to call them others. If you allow others to distract you. Church, listen, you have to watch out for others. The human element... And you know what? That's why you need to be in tune with God. You need to know how to handle others. (laughs) There's a reason why they're called others. You have to learn how to deal with those people in your life that are just distracting you from doing what God would have you to do. And then sometimes we never work out many things not because of others, but sometimes because of ourselves. Sometimes it's us. We allow ourselves to be drawn away. When we start looking at wrong things, thinking on wrong things, listening to ungodly people, hanging with ungodly people, participating in ungodly things, that, that has nothing to do with others. That has to do with you. You are allowing that. You are not guarding your heart with all diligence. You're just flowing. Trying to be a part of the crowd. Listen, if you're going to glorify God, you're not going to be a part of that crowd. Now that's the quickest way to be drawn away from where God would have you to be. Is to get caught up with others. Sometimes we don't work things out because this simple truth, we just simply won't obey. We just don't. We reject. You reject counsel. Counsel. You simply cannot do the things that allow God to work things that, that are in you. You don't can't work it out because you reject counsel. Somebody told you so, but you didn't like the fact that they told you. So I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna hear it. I don't like what they said. And so you feel like you can do it another way. And it causes us not to get done what needs to be done in our lives. Listen, you have to see the assignment and what God is telling you what's happening at the end of it. You got to see that. That is when God speaks to your heart. You need to take some time to see. Once God speaks to your heart, take some time to say, okay, don't jump out and get to running with it. Start to see. What is it that he's trying to establish in me? That's what you have to stop and start to see. See, when my sons were growing up, with uh, when uh, different things that my my husband and I that we were putting in them, listen to me closely. It was not only to, to for them to grow, but it was to. Establish some things in their lives. See, you have to not only give them something, but you have to establish something that you don't want them to just do what you're asking them to do. See, they don't. Children don't understand at that time. You're trying to give them counsel to do something, and they don't want to do what you ask them. But it goes further than that. It's further than that, and as all you doing is thinking they trying to run my life, they too are overbearing, they too they're too controlling. They're too... no, they're trying to do two things in your life. Parents are always trying to do two things in your life. They're trying to tell you what to do because it's right to do, but most importantly, they're trying to establish something in your life. Why? So that you can get to the finish line. So that you can get to the finish line. So that they can get to the finish line. That's why you need to listen attentively. So you have to establish some things in your life and in your children's life. You know, it, that, that, that's the only way you're going to get to the finish line. You're not going to get to the finish line any other way. You men that have sons, if you have a son, allow them when you all get out the car and stuff, don't, don't you take your wife's stuff, give it to your son. Tell him to take it. And, well, then why do I have to take it? Say, because son, I'm teaching you that one day you're going to have to carry your wife's stuff. See, that's establishing them way beyond just asking them to do something. You're teaching them a principle. You know what? And then tell them, say, you know what? Before I had you, that was my job. but now that I have you, it's your job. Carry your mother's stuff. Because why? Establishing something. It goes beyond just having them do something it's establishing something what are you establishing you're establishing them see that's what men do they're going to haul and carry and they're going to pick up and whatever you want them to do they're going to carry it. not just doing it because they're throwing it on your shoulder to do but because it's just right to do amen and see sometimes God gives us instructions and we don't take time to see see you got to see God please write this down God will never give you instructions without what you need. Never. God will never give you instructions without what you need. You have to look and see. And even though you may not think that you have it, you have it. Because He'll never give you instructions without it. You have it. Then you have to establish all that you need to be. You have to establish... God, I understand what you're doing in my life and I'm going to stay right there. Then I, you know what you have to do? Then you have to maximize your time once you've established that. Maximize your time. And let me tell you, there's three ways that you need to do that. How to maximize your time. And I gave them to you last week and a couple of weeks ago. First, you have to work every day. If God worked every day to create the heavens and the earth, you need to get up and work every day on your life, on your day. And again, if you, if you weren't with us a couple of weeks ago, I'm not talking about going to a job. Don't get, don't take it to the corner. You need to get up and work every day on your spiritual walk. Don't you worry about going on the job, because if you're working on your spiritual walk, all of that is just gonna, gonna, just gonna be the domino effect. That's gonna happen. But you need to get up and work every day. Then the second things that I said that you have to do, then you have to be, you have to press. I mean, press. That means I got to get it done. I got to push. I got to go. I got to get on it. I got to go full force. And then we said you have to be faithful. Mm, Faithful. Mm. Who can find a faithful man? Not one that says they are, but a faithful man. That's what you want to be, a faithful man. You know, sometimes in order to be faithful, in order to press, in order to understand what God is telling you to do to work every day, sometimes you may have to start over. And I, and I think I'm going to do a little teaching on that so you can understand what start over means. I'm going to peep my hand a little bit and give it because I've already been looking at some things. But let me tell you what start over is not. And see, sometimes you leave one period of time and you don't, you, you know, you, you didn't do everything that you needed to do in that span of time. Listen. But starting over is not going back to the previous dispensation. Did you hear me? See, when I say start over, I don't want you to say, oh God. I got... No, 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 no. Because in that dispensation or span of time that you had to do it, that's over. So you can't go back there. You can't go back to an old dispensation. That's over. So starting over is not going back to the previous dispensation. Because even if you have to repeat a word. You're going to be doing it in a new time. Ooh, that's so good. Even if you have to do something over, but it's not going to be in that same time, it's in a new time. But then you need to to know what to do to avoid making the same mistakes over in the new time. I can't make those same mistakes over. What do I need to do? Well, first of all, you have to repent. Listen. Wherever you didn't work out what what God was working in you, uh, listen, just know this. Somewhere you didn't obey. That's why you didn't work it out. It wasn't something you couldn't do. No, it was something you didn't obey. See, you have to be honest and repent. You repent, listen, you repent before God and not man. The repent is to God. Acknowledging to God, God, I blew this. I blew this, God. You acknowledge that to him. Say, God, I blew this. I missed it. Now listen to me attentively because this is where Christians miss it. Listen. You need to apologize to man but you repent to God. Listen. Listen. You apologize to man, but you repent to God. But most of us have it backwards. Most of us have it backwards. We apologize to God and repent to men. That's backwards. But listen, you need to understand, you don't sin against man. So you don't have to repent to man. You sin against God. Now, you might negatively impact man... But you sin against God. And you must repent to Him. See, you hurt people. But you sin against God. See, know that. Know the difference. You must know the difference. And when you've missed it, you have to repent. You have to acknowledge where you went wrong. you have to acknowledge it. you know what i'm going to tell you when you're not truly repentant when you keep giving excuses, an excuse is a lie you tell yourself and a coward's way out of doing the truth. see every time if 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 i 'm sitting down and someone has come out of something and we begin to talk about it, and, and you know they just kind of want to share and you know you share those things with people that are spiritual. And and they start making excuses, and they doing that. They're not ready. I don't care how sincere they act like they are. They're not ready. Because you have to acknowledge, it's, you know what, I, I don't have no excuse to say I was all in it. That's what you have to say. I sinned against God. See, this is how you get your heart right. Acknowledging where you went wrong. We have to get our hearts right, our thinking right. We have to head in a new direction. You cannot head in a new direction if you're making excuses. You're going to head down the same path. That's what got you in the mess. Amen? And then after you repent, then you have to remove the hindrances. Whether it be people, things, places, stuff, situations thought pattern, you have to remove the hindrances. You have to remove the things that cause you to get off track. Whatever causes you to get off track to begin with, you got to get rid of that. And once you've truly repented and not apologize, then God will open up your eyes and show you your problem. Mm. Now, if you want God to show you your problem, just do that. See, other than that, it's going to be foggy and you're going to keep making excuses. You're not going to do You're not going to be what you're going to keep doing. You're going to find every reason why. No. Your eyes got scales over them now. God said, I'll open them when you can repent, acknowledge, turn away, go in a new direction, and I'll open your eyes and you'll see the very thing that the problem is. How many of you know that there's some people, places, and things that you do, you thought, all of that you thought was okay. It didn't seem like sin. It didn't seem like nothing was wrong with it. But you know why? It doesn't seem like that. It'll never, it'll all seem fine until you get right with God. Once you get right with God, you'll find out all of that seems so wrong. But it's not until you get right with God. Once you get right with God, you find out those things were your problem. But you're not going to find it out any other way. You're not going to find it out any other way. I'm going to tell you that now. You're not. You have to make sure that you do all of those things. And then you'll find out, I see what my problem is. Then I can repent Remove the hindrances. But watch this. Once you repent, now I've removed the hindrances. Now you can forget the past. Just forget the past. Why? Because you've repented. And you remove the hindrances. All now is your past. So forget it. Now when I say forget the past, listen, it does not mean that you don't remember what happened. Forgetting the past means, listen, that I'm not going to continually think and live in the past. That's all I'm saying. I cannot go back there. I'm not going to think on it. I'm not going to live there. I've learned from the past, but not to... You know what? You need to learn from the past, but don't live there. Don't live in the past. You can't even live in past successes. You just can't. You know the interesting I was I was looking at some you know the interest, interesting thing about a book is? Listen. The interesting thing about a book is that it doesn't update. It doesn't update. A book is written, time moves on, but the book stays the same. Time moves on. I mean, what was written, but the book it stays the same. A book does not update. Listen. The past is like a book. You can learn from it, but you can't live it. Why? Because it doesn't update. (laughs) It doesn't update. See, there is no past 2.0, past 3.0. Like it's growing, it doesn't do that. It's just the past. And now that I've repented and gotten rid of the hindrances, I can kill that because it doesn't update. You can learn from the past, but you gotta live in today. Live in today. Now go if you will to James chapter one. Oh, that was just so good for me. Just, just over and over again. How do we work out what God is working in us in your span of time, in our span of time? How do I just work this out, what God is working in you? Now, we've learned in this ministry, again, that the dispensation is a defined span of time, given to us by God for his purpose. We know that. That's a span of time. Everyone has a dispensation. You have a dispensation. Those that are streaming and don't belong to this ministry, you have a dispensation. And you have a lot of small dispensation within the one big dispensation, which is is your life. But it is defined by God. It's a time given to us by God. So we want to learn how to work out what God is working in these, within this defined span of time. Within this defined dispensation of time. See, once you can see it and know what God desires to accomplish in you and through you. See, you got to see it. you got to see it. Everything that God has been teaching, you got to see it. Now you got to work it out. And you've got to do it within a span of time. And in that span of time is the time that God has given you. You can't do it outside. It's too hard. Outside of that span of time. It's too hard. Because if God has given you the time, He's given you what you need to get it done within that time. Listen. After all these teachings, and you said, Okay, I obey God. I've repented. I've gotten removed all the hindrances. Uh, you know, I've, I've forgotten the past. Listen. And you're starting over. Because that dispensation is gone. You're in a new one. You have to know how to put in the work. If you're going to stay on the wall, because we're wall builders. We're wall builders. Don't ever get that, leave that out your mouth. Mind, you're wall builders. What do I need to do, church? I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you the answer. We're going to work this thing out all the way. But I'm going to tell you now before I give you the answer. The answer is not going to be pleasant. It's an unpleasant answer. Oh, when you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, until you, we dissect it. It's an unpleasant answer. I'm going to tell you right up front, and you're not going to like the answer. Look at somebody next to you and say, I might not like it, but I'm going obey it. I might not like it, but I'm going obey it. But it's the an- Let me tell you, you might not like it, but it is the answer. It is the answer that you need. And it's the answer God has for you. And we're going to spend the rest of our time trying to make the unpleasant pleasant. Amen. So to work out, What God is working in me within this span of time, dispensation time, here it is. You must endure. Mm. See, endure is not, it sounds simple. But that's the unpleasant thing that Christians don't like. You're going to have to endure. 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 see it's interesting a lot of children are going off to college after this uh you know right about this time getting ready for college and getting there and and you know what when you go and they get ready for college when you get in there you got a four or five year plan that's going to be set for you and you know what you're going to go in there and you're going to you know uh Meet with a whole bunch of people and they're going to tell you. And let me tell you what they're going to tell you. They're going to sit there and they're going to tell you. They're going to give you your orientation. They're going to say, you got four or five, you got a four or five year plan. And they're going to tell you some of you will not finish. And nobody's going to think it's them. Not me because I come here. Nobody's going to think it's them. But listen to me closely. That's plenty of people that came, that's coming in with the same success you have, the same intelligence you have, and some with even more intelligence. You might be roommates with somebody that built a computer from nothing. You might stay next door to the person that was two problems away from making a hundred on the SAT. But it's not, let me tell you. And you might say, you know, they, they, they got the same success you, but you know what? It do, You might stay, I mean, you might become friends with a mathematician like, oh my God, they know everything about. You might have all of that. But it's not in your intellectual ability to finish. It's who's going to endure. Who's going to stay with it? Who's going to push it through? See it's not because because let me tell you any of the ones with all of that can get caught up. It's the endurance and the one who endures is the one that's going to finish on time. So I don't want you to think oh well you know that's really smart. That's why. No it has nothing to do with intellectual. Your intellectual ability or what you know or don't know. If you came to college with a C and somebody came with all A's that doesn't mean that they're going to finish. The endurance and everybody know by the time you're a senior, you better kick some endurance in, because you're about ready to say, that's it, I'm tired, of it. I just can't do it anymore. Endurance. That was just extra. That was just extra. Church, we don't like to hear the word endure. Your intellectual capacity has nothing to do with it. Endure. The word endure means to have patience. And patience is not waiting around. Patience means I'm going through something but I'm not going to let it stop me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Listen to me again. The word endurance means to have patience. And patience is not waiting around. Patience means I'm going through something but I'm not going to let it stop me. To endure means not to quit, to not quit, to not compromise, to not settle, despite of my overwhelming pressure to do the same. To endure means to persevere. Listen, ooh, I love this definition. Endure means to persevere while suffering. It means to persevere while suffering. Suffering. Now, for those of you that don't belong to this ministry, suffering has nothing to do with sickness and disease. God's not saying, okay, well, now you did that, I want to put this on for you to suffer. There's many things to suffer. But listen to me. Endurance means to persevere while suffering. And I want you to know whatever God wants you to do, you're going to have to suffer something to get it done. <laughs> You're going to have to suffer overwhelming pressure to quit, overwhelming pressure to compromise, overwhelming pressure to settle, and you're going to have to be patient in the midst of it all, in that overwhelming pressure. I want you to know, and I want this to get you to get this out of your head. Christianity is not about believing trouble away. It is not. Christianity is about learning how to live when you're in trouble. It's not about confessing your issues. It's not about decreeing and declaring a thing that God didn't promise you. Christianity is learning how to persevere when the issues of life arise. I know how to persevere. It's not being a weak sissy sitting around waiting for God to take the weight off. That's not endurance. See, endurance is not so pleasant. See, we think doing all of that and begging God to take it away and, and uh hold oh it, you know, please help me in this. Learn endurance. That's what Christianity is. Pushing through. It's part of the suffering. I persevere in my issues. It's about putting your hand to the work and trusting God to get you through. Listen, you can't work anything out that God gives you without endurance. You cannot. Look at what Moses had to endure. In order to work out what God was working in him. He was doing a work for people who didn't appreciate him. And he endured that. I think of my pastor a lot when I was studying that out.
1: I think about what
0: Joshua had to endure. I think about what Paul had to endure. But our example is Jesus. Look at what Jesus had to endure. Even with the 12 closest people, Judas betrayed him. The other 11 denied him. And sinners, they just denied him altogether. His own people said he wasn't God. And they crucified him. He endured He went, you know what, he went to a trial, he was on trial for a case which he was not guilty of. And he endured. And mind you, all of this was before the cross. This was before the cross. He endured. Then he goes to the cross. There's your sins and my sins. He went through all of that. He had to endure. Now, you say you want to be Christ-like? Tell me, how are you going to be Christ-like if you don't have the ability to endure? How? He's our example. You want to be married? You better learn how to endure. Listen, you can't be married Without suffering. <laughs> you can't be. I don't. Listen! Don't play those little games like everything's up. You can't be married without suffering. The only person that thinks that's not so is people that ain't been married long. So you have to learn to endure. Everybody's still see, <laughs> suffering. See, everybody wants to get married for that other word that begins with S. But I'm going to tell you, that other word that begins with S won't be around. The suffering will be around. But that other one, it won't be around. I promise you that. And if you're in there and you're young and you don't know what the other S is, then you don't need to know right now. Just say, tell me about that later. Are you following me? The second one goes away first. The last one stays until the end. Suffering. Suffering hangs in there. Did you hear me? Listen to this statement. You cannot avoid going through You're not going to avoid it. Character development happens when you go through. I'm a living witness. There are many things in my life that I wish I didn't have to go through. Many things. And there will be many things in yours. It's already some. One of the things for me was the devastation of my husband transitioning. I wish I didn't have to go through that. But guess what? Through it all, my character was developed by going through. And still being developed as I go through. See, we think, you know, it develops you. It develops your character. Listen, when you don't want to go through, it's a character flaw. It's a character flaw. And you'll never have character until you go through something. You'll never have character until you go through something. But as long as you try to avoid things and run from things and hide from things and won't face things, you are just killing your character. Our focus has to be, listen, write this down. Your focus has to be on where we're going to, not on what we're going through. Listen again. Your focus must be on where we are going to or where you are going to, not on what you're going through. What's most important is your attitude while you go through. See, when you're going through and you... See, you don't want to suffer. But I'm going to tell you, God will say no. I'm telling you, after God gave me my time of morning, and told me to get up and go, God didn't say, you know, when I didn't want to study, I didn't want to do that. And I want, God didn't say, oh, well, there, there. Let me let you... I understand that you're going through there. No, no, no. Endure. Persevere. I know you don't want, but persevere. Push. Keep going. It's your attitude while you go through. Listen church, whatever you're going through is not going to go away. Just disappear. Listen, and what you're going through does not change where you're going to. Whatever you're going through, it does not change where you're going to. Keep your focus on that. More often times, all we do is look at what we're going through. And it takes our focus off of where we're going to. But guess what? God doesn't change the destination. Listen, because you have to endure the adversity he doesn't change he do- he doesn't change up because your situation changed he does not that's why I tell you in every circumstance in your finances I don't care he doesn't change because your circumstance changed whatever situation in your life. God, and God has shown you where He's at. You've seen it. It doesn't change because something came up devastating in your life. Or something came up to change. It do, God doesn't change the destination. He says, endure the adversity. Push through. I'm with you. I said I'll never leave you. God never changes the end because of the struggle you may have in the middle. you got to get this, church. Get it. God never changes the end of what he said, no matter what the struggle is in the middle. And you'll have those struggles in the middle. But God does not change. God doesn't change the end because of adversity. He had not moved the date. Because you have a challenge. Know that. If you're going to work on what God is working in you, you must learn to endure. And you can do that. So to work out what God is working in me, there are some things I have to endure. Here's the first one. I have to endure temptation. Oh... I'm going to have to sit here for a minute because it it flabbergasted me. You have to endure temptation. You know, the word is a powerful thing. And that's why you should never stop studying. You should never stop studying. In studying this out, I thought I knew what temptation was. I tell you, God will just... (laughs) And you'd be like, God, come on. Now, seriously, how long have I been walking in the Word? Listen, I thought I knew what temptation was until I started studying it out. Most of us, and I'd say 99% of us, 99.9% of us, this is how we think. We think it's the thing that is the temptation. For example, you say, I'm trying to lose five pounds. Ooh, there's cake over there. Oh, that's a, the devil is a liar. That's just temptation for me. See, we think the thing is the temptation. Oh, they're doing drugs over there. I'm keeping myself clean. I'm not, no, no, no. I want something. I'm free from that. I don't want, I'm not getting involved in, involved in that. We define temptation by what the temptation is. Pay attention, listen attentively, submit fully, conform completely. But let me give you another way of looking at temptation. Please write it down. This is in my own personal study time and God is with me. Temptation is a trial of your integrity your fidelity, and your virtue. <laughs> I said temptation is a trial of your integrity, your fidelity, and virtue. Pastor, those are some big words. What exactly do you mean? Uh, let me make it real simple. Temptation is just seeing or just testing to see If you are what you said you are. Temptation is testing to see if you are what you said you are. It's just a test to see if you are what you said you are. It's a test. It's a test to see if you're going to do what you said you were going to do. See, so instead of focusing on what the temptation is, you need to focus on what is coming. Temptation is there to listen. Temptation is there to see if you have integrity. <laughs> temptation is there to see if you have integrity. See, when you're tempted by the adversary, are you tempted with temptation, period? Both the adversary and God. The adversary is there trying to figure out if you have integrity. God is there to see if you have integrity. See, God already knows. The devil's trying to figure it out. The adversary, he's trying to figure it out. But God is right there too trying to see if you have integrity. Somebody ought to just say hallelujah just for the simple fact that God is just that good. See, when you attempt it, whether or not you have virtue is on the line. Listen to me, men and women. No, let me deal with this one first. Listen to me, men. You don't know if a woman is virtuous. Until they are tempted. You better get this. You don't know if a woman's tempted. I mean virtuous. Until they're tempted. See they might just be holy. By a lack of invitation. (laughs) You better know that. (laughs) What do you mean by that? See. Nobody invited you to be unholy, so therefore you're holy. Oh, oh, let me make it even simpler. Nobody wanted it. Until somebody wanted it. See, you looked holy, but nobody wanted it. That's not virtue. They may look holy by lack of invitation and you just don't know the difference and you probably don't know the difference because you don't have your finger on the pulse of God and you ain't talking to God you probably trying to get or offer the invitation that she haven't had in a while now I saw this under a totally different light see that's what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve See, the temptation was a piece of fruit, but the test was their integrity. (laughs) The temptation was the piece of fruit, but the test was their integrity. It was their fidelity. In other words, listen, are you going to be faithful to God? See, if you're a married man, And if some woman tries to tempt you, or vice versa. Your temptation is whether or not you maintain your fidelity. Because you're going to have that all the time. If you're going to keep your integrity of the vows, Whether or not you're going to have the virtue to remain a husband or to remain a wife. Because, see, it's not really about that man or that woman. It's about your integrity, your fidelity. That's what God is looking at. It's not really about the situation. See, it's like when somebody says, Oh, you know what? You really don't have to put that on your taxes. Boom! There it is. Here's the test of your integrity. It has nothing to do with that paper, the form. It doesn't have anything to do with taxes. It has to do with... Well, you, if you don't put this on your taxes, you can get this back. Boom! There it is. Where's your integrity? <sighs> what this is actually doing is just simply testing your integrity. The temptation is trying of wondering about your fidelity. Seeing whether or not you have the virtue that you say you have. See, it's easy to say how honest you are when it's a wrong to see it, but you. But God and the adversaries there. See, the Bible says in James, are you in James chapter 1? In verse 12, it says, Where am I? Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. See, how do you know you love him? Because when you were tempted, you endured. (laughs) That's one of the ways you can tell. If you love him. When you're tempted, when you're tested, hmm, you endure. We endure temptation. Our integrity, our fidelity, our virtue remains uncompromised. Look at verse 13. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So listen, God is not tempting you. So please, now you should know this in this ministry, and those of you that are streaming, I'm going to give you a revelation so you can kill it. We need to stop this expression. We need to get it out of our Christian lexicon. We need to get it out. We need to stop it because it's not of God. I'm going to give it to you. Just hold on. You need to get this out. It's not in the Bible. This statement that I'm referring to is the statement that says, God will put no more on you than you can bear. That is unscriptural. God is not tempting your integrity. He's not testing your virtue. He's not challenging your fidelity. But he's watching. He's watching when it happens. To see. God will put no more on you. Oh, I, got, I went to the doctor, had a bad deal, but God won't put no more on you than you can bear. No. No. Watch this. I'm going to endure temptation. Here's how you do it. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. God is not tempting you. God is not putting no more on you than you can bear. God is not tempting you. See, it's hard. Listen. This is where a lot of people miss it, and this is where they suffer. It is hard to resist temptation when you think your help is the problem. See, how are you going to resist temptation when you think God is doing it? Your health is your problem and then you're trying to resist it. Well, if God is making you sick, if God is tempting you with all these things, then you don't need to be praying to him because he's giving it to you. God don't put any more up on you than you can bear because God puts nothing on you. He puts grace in you. He puts something in you called grace. He's never going to put nothing on you that you can bear. You have to look at it that way. You have to tell yourself when you're going through, you have to say it out loud. There is not more that's happening to me than God's grace in me. God's grace in me is bigger than what's happening to me. God's grace is bigger God won't let more happen to you than he's given you grace for. Mm. He's given you grace on the inside. The Bible says, you know what? No, we're not going to even go there. Just write 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 down. Because most people get that crazy, they get that statement from that scripture. And that scripture does not say that. That God don't put no more on you than can bear. That's the scripture everybody get that from. Write it down so you can go and look at it. And if you've been saying it, read it closely. And then throw it out of your lexicon that God puts no more on you than you can bear. God didn't put it on you. He gave, he gave you a way out of it. Don't go and say God gave you a bad report. God won't put no more on you back. No. God is not the author of sickness and disease. Stop that. Be free of that. Let go of that. Don't get caught up with that. Don't bring, don't try to bring that, that little statement to the throne of God. Don't blame God. Again, it's hard to endure when you blame your help. That's why so many people don't endure temptation because they blame their help. And when you blame your help, guess what it does? It makes you helpless. It makes you helpless because what the, the one that can do something about it, he gave it to me. You want to know how to endure temptation? Let her be. Develop self control. Develop self control. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me get there. I must develop self-control. Everybody say self-control. So you must develop self-control. So who controls you? Self. See, self-control. Nobody. Who controls you? Self. Jesus said, if any man comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Self-control. In other words, develop some self-control. Not listen. Now, self-control is developed, listen, through forced obedience. Hmm. Self-control is developed through forced obedience. See, you have to make yourself obey. Nobody can make you do it. Nobody can make you do what you ought to do. You have to make yourself do what you're supposed to do. I like to be transparent and in and, and, and things like this. I like to put myself in it so that you can know exactly who I am. So you can worship the mighty God and know how fragile I am and how any man or woman of God is fragile and God is the only one and only true God. Let me tell you something that was shocking for me. Things I've learned about myself. Now it may not be true about you and it's okay. I'm talking about me. I learned this about myself. And again, I want to be transparent. I don't always want to do what I'm supposed to do. I just, I just don't. When I, learned, I would rather sit around and do what I'm not supposed to do. And if I gave myself a choice. I would do what I'm not supposed to do rather than what I'm supposed to do. So I have learned that I have to make myself, I have to make myself do what I'm supposed to do. Because I just don't want to. Sometimes i would be like, it's just too much going on in my head, I don't want to do it. And I also learned this, that nobody can make me do it. Let me give you an example. And I'm going to speak to you husbands, because I was a wife, and I know about a wife, and I am a mother. But do you know, men listen to me, a wife and a mother always can tell you what you ought to do. Always. A wife and a mother never wake up clueless of what you need to do. How do you know, Cecile? I was a wife and I am a mother. They always know. A wife always knows what a husband needs to do. Some of you have been married a short time and you've already learned. She knows more of what you need to do than you do. You've learned that. Go ahead on and laugh. Don't don't be afraid to laugh in front of her because I'm exposing it. God is. He's just showing you. There ain't nothing wrong with it. Sometimes it's a good thing. But I'm going to tell you, whether it's good or bad, a wife knows what you need to do. (laughs) now some wives might argue the same thing about their husbands but I'm talking to the husband a wife knows what you ought to eat a wife knows what you ought to wear what you ought to take their wife knows your responsibilities at the house (laughs) they know what you ought to do and what you have not done they know that too. Talking about those lovely wives. They know when you should do it. Be grateful, husband, that, that your wife keep all of that her nice little head just for you. How special you are. That you got a wife that can always tell you what to do.
1: I mean, they even get like the
0: dance. They, they know that you work, and, work hard, and you come home, and they even let you get a nap. And when you get up, there and say, "Now remember," you be like, "Oh my God," because a wife always knows what you need to do. Mothers do too. Husbands say, "I'm grateful." That my wife keep all this stuff in her mind. <laughs> they won't let you miss a deadline. <laughs> but they'll tell you what you need to get done. But you know one of the things that I learned in being a wife. And, and dealing with my husband and, and, and telling him what he needs to do. I couldn't really never make him do any of it. And neither can you. Now they might do work in time, but you can't make them do any of it. Why? Because they have to have (laughs) self-control. And all you need to do is, you know... You have to develop self-control to get it done. So even if they be like, uh, I done told you a hundred times, I told you about that over That's because you can't make them do it. They have to have self-control to do it. You have to have enough discipline on the inside of you to discipline yourself to get up and do what you need to do all by yourself. Now look at verse, First Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 24. Are you there? Now you not, not... 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run... Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize... So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to contain the corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. In other words, all of them on the soccer field, on the basketball field, on the football field, uh, the racetrack. In other words, they all work hard. Look at verse 26. I therefore run not as uncertainty, so fight I. Not one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The word castaway means a forfeit or a counterfeit. A forfeit or a counterfeit. The third thing I have to do is I have to remember the goal. I have to remember the goal. In other words, temptation causes us, listen, to settle for a lesser goal. Temptation causes us to settle for a lesser goal. And have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen children and they they're racing or you know they're running and and, and you know you have a whole bunch of little children and I, I like when like when we had our picnic you have them race and all of and whenever children are racing they're running then some get kind of lagged behind and then all of a sudden the the ones that lag behind they be like oh they just stop oh shoot because they can't catch up and they like oh oh shoot you know And eventually they just stop. And the reason they do that, because they thought the goal was winning instead of finishing. They thought the goal was winning and not finishing. Now, I hope you're getting this, that to work out what God is working in you, the goal is finishing. Jesus already won, but the goal is finishing. Finishing. Everybody, listen, everybody can finish, but winning is subjective. There's only going to be one winner. But finishing, everybody can do. See, there's value in going all the way across the line, no matter what order you get across. I go on YouTube and I go back and look at all the old Olympics since we didn't have Olympics and I was seeing the marathon race. i sit there and watch all of that race. And let me tell you, they can come in 20 if they're getting across that line. They do not stop. They know the winner have already got it, but it's not, it, they keep going because they understand it's the finishing. And you'd be like, they done run 20 miles. Why don't they just say, forget it? Stop me, put me on one of the motorcycles, take me on in. No, they run because they understand finishing. That's what we need to get to. All of us are capable of finishing. But there's going to be one that's capable of winning. And his name is Jesus. So the value of this race is not in winning, it's in finishing. You know why? Because finishing teaches you something. Winning don't necessarily teach you anything. But finishing does. Finishing does. That's why when you fall, you don't stay down. You deep up and say, nope, I'm getting back in. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care if I have to warm up forever. At the line, I'm just going to sit there and warm up. But I'm getting back in this race. You don't give up. Second point. I have to do a contradiction. Contradiction. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. I know I'm over my time. I can do that. Just go to Hebrews chapter 12. See, don't get caught up with time. Because then you miss the whole thing. I must endure contradiction. Contradiction is opposition, is rebellion, is strife, and is disapproval. I said contradiction is opposition, rebellion, strife, and disapproval. Church, if you want to work out what God is working in you, you must endure contradiction. You have to endure opposition. There will be people who will oppose you. You have to endure rebellion. There will be people who will rebel against you. They'll rebel against God and what God is saying and doing in your life. You have to endure strife. There are people who just want to stir up stuff in and around your environment. You got to endure contradiction. You have to endure disapproval. Everyone is not going to approve of what you're doing, and how you're doing it, or what you're saying. And you have to understand that contradiction. you, You know, let's use Jesus as our example. See, contradiction just didn't, just doesn't come from without. A lot of contradiction will come from within. Did you hear me? See, people will have contradiction, they will, they, I'm telling you, people will have, contra, will contradict with you. Know that. They'll oppose you. And they will rebel against you. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Let me tell you, anything that God has called you to do, suffering is gonna come with it. So you have to deal with the strife. Deal with the disapproval. Deal with the people saying, I don't think this ought to go this way. I don't think that ought to go. I wouldn't do it that way. But well, I don't believe that way. You know, I don't think that way. You got to deal with that. That's not how I believe. Deal with it. Endurance. Endurance. Look at Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12 here, verse 2. Church, you have to understand people will oppose the godly plan that you have established. They're going to oppose it. You will face strife while you're trying to do the will of God. See, you have to learn to accept that now. Contradiction is inevitable. I don't care. Some of you that have fallen short, let me tell you, you have to endure people talking about you. It doesn't matter. I'm going to endure. When you were doing wrong, nobody was even thinking about you. Now that you're trying to do right, they're talking about you. I endure. Now they have something to say. Endure. Just endure. Never ever let another man another woman, another person stop what God is doing In you. Endure. Don't let the words or the actions of somebody who's not God affect you. You just have to learn to endure. Just don't let it affect you. I don't let it affect me. The way you endure contradiction, you must remember who you are. See, keep that in the forefront of your mind. I remember who I am. See, when Jesus was facing opposition and rebellion and criticism, he said, thou said, you said that about me. Thou said that. When he was facing it, you said that that's who I am. But all Jesus was really saying was, I know who I am. I know who I am. See, at some point you have to know who you are. And when you get to that point... What other people say, what other people think about you, is simply irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Why? Because they can't define you. You can't define me. Then let it be you have to remember the assignment. Listen, our flesh is inclined to listen when it ought not to. And at some point you got to tell people. See, you can't be rude and tell people, just shut up. So what you do is you shut them out of your head. You don't have to be rude, just shut them out your head. What does that mean? That means I'm not letting your opinion in my head. I'm not letting your opinion in my head. I'm not letting your opinion in my heart. Why? Because I know my assignment. I know my assignment if you know your assignment then you don't need the opinion of contradictions see that's why you need to stop waiting on confirmation and all of that because you don't need, when you know your assignment then you must see the joy not the opposition you know sometimes it's hard it's hard To endure contradiction, you know why? Because sometimes Mama might be contradicting you, Dad might be contradicting you, best friend might be contradicting you, wife might be contradicting you, husband might be contradicting you. Sometimes it come from places. Sometimes it even come from places that you least expect. You didn't expect that it would come from, and it'll come. I'm talking about like somebody that you used to sit next to in church, and y'all used to write notes together, and y'all used to call and talk about how good the word was. All of a sudden, that person called and said, I'm leaving the church. You need to leave too because that. And now you're saying, oh my God, we were just telling What? What is that? a, A Contradiction. Opposition. Endure. Say bye, Felicia. That's all you do. Because if you, and until you recognize what it is, you think it's something you should really get involved. That's opposition. That's contradiction. You gotta endure that. You will have that. See, it's not always so ready seen. It'll be from the ones you least expect. But listen. If you endeavor to see joy, God will show it to you but you got to endeavor to have it even in the midst of enduring God will show it to you if you endeavor to have joy God will show it to you sometimes you need to just lift up your head and see the joy that's what I do when I know I have to do I lift up my head because it's joy in getting to the place that God has laid out for you even while you're going through in suffering. It's joy. It's joy. Did we read Hebrews 12? Didn't I say go to Hebrews 12, verse 2 to two to 4? Looking unto Jesus, the orphan finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for so consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You're gonna have contradiction. Jesus is our example. He said you can endure. Last scripture to go to Second Timothy, chapter two. You're gonna. If we gonna, eat, you, we we always make me like you. Go. Okay, endure. Second Corinthians chapter two. This is what I've learned from my founding pastor, and I've learned to govern my life by. Just tools to live by. There are very few people in this ministry, or people that I know, that have gone through contradiction at the level that me and my founding pastor. Have had to endure. Have had to endure. There are very few people. That have been up to a level. That I have. That I have to have. Endured. The third thing you have to do. You have to learn. To endure hardness. Hardness. Look at Second Timothy. Chapter 2. Verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. How do we endure hardness? I'm a, please write this down. How do I endure hardness? I endure hardness. I must accept that life is hard. Accept it. Right now. Life is hard. There is not an easy way. There is no easy button. There is no easy street. Life is hard. And anything you get or got, easy is a trap. Anything that you get or you got, easy is a trap. Ask the mouse about the cheese. Who cleans up their whole kitchen, have it sparkling put of cheese in the middle of the floor? That's an easy trap. Listen, any man or any woman that you get easy is a trap. It's a trap. I don't care if it presents itself as a virtuous trap, but it's a trap. That's called a trappy trap. But it's still a trap. I said trappy trap. See, a woman can present themselves as a virtuous trap. But it's a trap. A trap is always set in your path. Did you hear me? A trap is always set in your path. Whether you a good mouth or bad mouth, or whatever kind of mouth, it's a, it's a trap. <laughs> if your path is church, God sets you a trap here. He's doing it this morning. Why? Because He can catch you. He, he can catch you in church. He can't catch you in the club. So here's your trap. Right here. Right now. Because that's where he said it. That's why you got to come to church. To get it. You want to get caught by God? He's going to lay the trap. Right here. Hmm. He brings the cheese to this house. For you to come get. He understands. That you don't like the cheese of the street. That's a little too sharp. He, he got you. You like the cheese, but nevertheless, the trap. It's a trap. You want to be in that trap. You want to be caught by God. Aren't you tired of running from hole to hole to hole to hole with nothing? <laughs> Listen, life is hard. Listen, life is hard whether you live right or not. See, a lot of times we think, oh, it's because they're living No, no. Life is hard whether you live right or not. But listen, when you don't live right, it's just hard with no benefits. But when you live right, it may be hard. But at the end, you have accomplished something. Did you hear me? At the end, you have accomplished something. To endure hardness, I have to look to those who come before me. And when you think that life is hard, look at somebody that came before you. And what you find out is that they went through a harder time than you. They've gone through much harder than what you're going through. And when you look at it like that, it teaches you to suck it up. It teaches you to get over it. It teaches you that you are going to have to go through actually it will teach you you know what it's not so bad they went through a lot worse you know we're living in a time now that it's the end times. it's perilous time you know we used to be in a time that you know people weren't overwhelmed That they're overwhelmed now last to endure hardness you can't get entangled don't get entangled The word entangled simply means trapped. You can't allow yourself to get trapped, caught up in some things. Guess what? That's not your business. Don't get caught up in things that's not your business, not your affair. You cannot get caught up in the affairs of this life because you're trying to please God who has chosen you. I will not get caught up. I will not. I don't care. I don't want to hear all of your foolishness because that is a trap. Because, excuse me, because the word of God is true. And God is not giving you nothing new. You're going to have to endure hardness as a good soldier. God will bring you through. Why? Because he loves you. He cares for your life. But unless you put these things into practice, You can't do it. You won't do it. But God has laid it out for you. He set the trap for you today. Find that. You know what? Find that cheese and eat it. And then after you eat it, stay there and say, Father, trap me. Catch me. I want to be all yours. Don't run from hole to hole. Just doing this, that, and other. I mean, just doing all kinds of things. No, it was made for God. You were created by God. You belong, you're the apex of his creation. It's all about you for him. All about you. So why don't we flip that and make it all about him for us? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.